There are different ways to think about wilderness. Some of us associate it with unspoiled natural landscapes and breathtaking vistas full of wildlife. Others might think of wilderness as uncivilized and dangerous, a place to avoid. Tonight I'd like to talk about a different kind of wilderness, the wilderness of the spirit. What does this wilderness look and feel like? At times, it may be a place that beckons us, where solitude is welcome, and we are open to a deeper communion with God. At other times, it may feel like a place of profound isolation, loss, and loneliness. We could say that Jesus himself entered a spiritual wilderness on the cross. His isolation and sense of abandonment is hard for us to imagine. And while I cannot claim to have experienced anything like what Jesus did, I walked in a spiritual wilderness of my own for a time. My first wife, Debbie, whom some of you knew, died suddenly at age 53. She had a rare condition that disrupted her digestive system and eventually forced her to have a feeding tube. She was a good candidate for a special surgery to correct the problem. We were optimistic, but after the surgery, she began to hemorrhage, she went into shock, suffered multiple organ failure, and died shortly after. As you can imagine, this was completely devastating. I felt lost and aimless, searching for a direction. It was a time of wrestling deep in my spirit. I contended with God. I had entered what the 16th century Spanish mystic and poet St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul a time of existential doubt and loneliness. We should not be surprised, says John, if this dark night through which a soul advances toward God appears somewhat obscure. John also teaches that this dark night can be a precursor to closer union with God. During this journey, I never questioned God's sovereignty, but I was angry about the timing. Why Debbie? And why did she have to die so young? As a teacher of children, she had so much yet to give to this world. She was kind and patient and generous. I couldn't understand it. Grief and anger converged and settled on me like a cloud. Was there no way out? While God never answered these questions, I was granted the strength to carry on. It wasn't an easy journey. It took time, one foot in front of the other. I went to work. I tended to the farm. I went to church. I spent time with a few close friends. I guess I hoped the pain would eventually subside and the way forward would become clearer. 
A friend, a wise and committed Christian, suggested that it was all right to yell at God. And I was reminded of the words of Job, which you heard earlier, actually, uh, who certainly contended with God in the depths of his own spiritual wilderness. Job said, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. I will come forth as gold. Now, friends, that's a leap of faith. And so it was that a day came when grief was still present, but less palpable, and life felt more like living. A kind of miracle occurred when Terry, whom many of you know is my wife, came into my life. She was an unexpected answer to prayer, as so often happens when God responds. Now the Gospels recount the experience of Jesus in the wilderness when he faced temptation. It's interesting that Matthew says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, while Mark says the Spirit immediately drove him there. Whether led or driven, Jesus went with intention. My time in the wilderness following Debbie's death was certainly unwanted, uninvited, not something I would have asked for, certainly. But throughout the Gospels, there are reports of Jesus going off by himself to a solitary place to pray. Luke even says that Jesus uh, went to lonely places to pray. These lonely, solitary places seem to me a faithful, deliberate entry into a wilderness of prayer and discernment on the part of Jesus. So I've often wondered, you know, what do we stand to learn from his example? How do we enter the wilderness of communion with God, willingly, openly, faithfully, when we aren't facing such a dramatic night of the soul, a dark night of the soul? We can know three things about Jesus' practice of prayer. One, he was disciplined. His practice of seeking the Father in prayer was purposeful and regular. He sought solitude. It is certainly possible to pray in the middle of a crowd or when the kids are fighting or when you're rushing to keep an appointment, but it's certainly easier to listen in a quiet place. I think Jesus knew that. And finally, his time in prayer strengthened and nourished him. When Luke says he withdrew to lonely places, it was often after a long day of teaching and healing. So while we can follow the example of Jesus when entering this wilderness of prayer, it might at first be uncertain and unsettling for many of us, and rightly so, because we risk exposing our innermost thoughts and desires in the very presence of God unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. It may also be that the deepest form of contemplative prayer involves no words at all, simply silence. Thomas Merton says, <clears throat> our service to the world might simply be to keep a place where there is no noise. Now Merton, for Merton, this meant entering a strict monastic order 
where keeping silence is a way of life. Most of us aren't called to that life, let alone comfortable with or able to find that kind of silence. But perhaps we can appreciate more often periods of spiritual reflection where we are listening, quiet, open to the wilderness of God's deep presence. I leave you with a poem which I wrote some years ago while reflecting on the nature and practice of prayer. It's called, Prayer is a Double Agent. Prayer is a double agent, breaching borders in many disguises, bearing secrets in elegant codes, seducing beautiful skeptic minds, slipping away undetected in the dark. Prayer is quick on the draw, vigilant and sly in danger forward scout in rough terrain, a clear-eyed hawk at dawn, a crack shot in tangled woods. Prayer is a passionate lover, fiercely loyal to unfettered hearts, bearing the freight of desperate hope, a talisman against the snare of fear, the tor where desert meets the sea. Prayer is an angel near the heart of God, the whisper of mercy, the laughter of grace, the lyric voice affirming silence in the din of chaos, where spirits wander until the gates of paradise swing wide. Amen.